Psalm chapter 98. And as you're turning there, we want to spend some time in prayer today. You know, the Lord is worthy of the worship of all peoples. He is worthy of the worship of Tricidians. He is worthy of the worship of Washingtonians. He is worthy of the worship of people in Mozambique and in Central Asia and in Japan and throughout the whole world. And so today I want to spend some time praying and asking the Lord to spread his gospel through us throughout the entire world. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the joy that we can have in Jesus Christ and that we have because Christ has conquered the grave. And Lord, we worship you because you indeed are creator over all. You are creator of all things. Lord, you made the furthest distant galaxies things that our best, most expensive telescopes can't even to bring into visibility. And you also made the tiniest atoms and the smallest structures within the atoms that we can only theorize about. You indeed are God over all, and it all exists for your glory and for your name's sake. And we can even find joy and delight in giving you glory. Lord, but as is so often the case, all of us have sought our joy not in your presence and not in your will, but in our own will. Lord, we have sought delight in things that can never deliver true fulfillment. Lord, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true not only of us, but it's true of the people of Mozambique. That's true of the people in Europe. That's true of the people in Germany and true of the people in Japan and Throughout the globe, we have all sinned. Lord, we have dug for ourselves wells that can't hold any water. And Lord, we're in need of transformed hearts and lives that long for real joy. But Lord, I thank you that you didn't leave us in this joyless condition, but you came at Christmas, you lived a perfect life, you died on the cross in our place, fulfilling the law perfectly in every way, and you rose again from the grave so that we could have forgiveness of sin and a restoration of delight in God. And so, Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful that this joy and this forgiveness and this grace is not just meant for us who have Scripture, us who have heard the Gospel, but is for the joy of all peoples. And so, Lord, open our eyes, and Lord, I pray that you would send people to these lost communities around the world. And Lord, I pray also that you would help us to be mindful of the lostness in our own community. Help us to be salt and light for Christ, for the joy of the Tri-Cities, true joy that can only be found in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would awaken our joy during this season. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm chapter 98. You might think that's an odd Christmas passage, but you'll find out why here in a moment, why Psalm 98. Psalm 98, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through the whole chapter. Sing a new song to the Lord. 
For he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord, our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that it would be for our joy in this season. Lord, that you would help us to find our delight in the only place that offers forever pleasures, and that is at your right hand in your presence. So Lord, I pray that you would instruct us now by your word. Teach us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of our greatest needs in the world and one of our greatest needs in the church today is to recover our joy. One of the things that truly has been under attack in the last couple of years is our delight, our delight in God, our delight in Jesus, delighting in our God above all things. We need to recover and we need a restoration of a sense of delight in our souls, delighting in His Word, delighting in His character, delighting in His law, delighting in His ways, delighting in His will, delighting in His truth, delighting in all that Jesus is, all the magnificence of the glorious realities that is our God, that is our Christ. So much so that the Westminster Shorter Catechism, one statement of faith, says this in the very first sentence. It says that the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. The chief end, the chief aim of your life is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Chief joy, a real joy, can only real satisfaction can only be found by enjoying God. Now, what is joy? I mentioned this definition a few times over the last couple of years. The definition, what is, what is joy? Joy is delight, is a delight in God and salvation for the sheer beauty and worth of knowing Christ. Joy is delighting in God and His salvation. Why? For the pure beauty and worth of knowing Jesus Christ and Him above all things. If you know Jesus, that's enough. If you know Jesus, you will never know enough. But even as believers in this world, joy can be so hard to find. And not only can it be hard to find, find it can be hard to maintain joy in this life. We're all in a search for satisfaction. We're all in a search for pleasure. And joy can only be found in a deep and abiding relationship with God. But the world offers so many counterfeits to us today that are really broken buckets that can never be truly filled. 
It's like we try to find joy in everything that the world promises that will deliver joy to our souls, but they never deliver. They're like mirages in the desert that you run to and you think it looks satisfying. You think it will quench your thirst and you dive in head first. And just like in the old Looney Tunes cartoons, as soon as you hit the water, you realize that you are lost in a cloud of dust that is just poofed all over you and your mouth is full of sand and you are drier and more thirsty than ever that's what it's like to try to satisfy your soul with what the world offers the world the flesh and the devil are constantly offering counterfeits that can never deliver lasting contentment that can never deliver lasting joy the mantra of our age is constantly if i just had and fill in the blank then i would finally have joy if I only had fill in the blank, then I would truly find happiness. People try to find joy in all kinds of things, even good things, and the world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly trying to offer us this counterfeit joy that is an elation that comes through the world, that comes through the blessings rather than the blesser, that comes through the things of this world rather than the only thing that can deliver true and lasting joy, and that is Jesus. And the world offers all kinds of substitutes in order to find joy. Some people try to find joy in sports teams. After last Sunday, Sooner fans know that's impossible. <laughs> don't tell me if we have a coach, all right? So I don't want to know until after service, all right? <laughs> but there's no joy in that. There's no lasting delight in that. I remember growing up, I longed to be, to go to Oklahoma and finally cheer on the University of Oklahoma Sooners. And I was, I played for the Sooners. I played the trumpet, but I played for the Sooners. And, um, <laughs> and like all growing up, I mean, I saw them when they won three national championships growing up. And when I got there, they were six and six, three and eight, three and eight, three and eight, right? And so <laughs> no joy in that. People try to find joy in recreation, vacation, sex. We try to find joy in their health and the hobbies and money and work, relationships, consumption, all of these realities. They try to find joy in things that can never, ever deliver. The world says, if only X were happening, if only, if only this could happen, then I would find joy. And we as believers are not immune to this. Do you know what it looks like for Christians? If only the pandemic would end. Amen. <laughs> But then I would find joy. I don't think so. Even if I could snap my finger and all coronavirus dies, it won't give you joy. Even if we long for it, it won't deliver. If, if only X candidate were, were, were made president, then I would have joy. Whatever X is in your life, whatever X is in your politics, it can't deliver joy. I know this because I've, I've been around, many, many of you have been long, around a lot longer than I have, but I've, I've seen a lot of presidents. I've seen a lot of politicians, and one thing's for sure, they can't deliver joy. <laughs> 
And so when we think that this, whatever earthly reality will give us joy, we're, we're putting our, our delight and our satisfaction and our hope in the wrong place and broken sisters that can never, never, ever deliver. The problem of seeking joy in created things is, rather than the creator, is that nothing in time or space or the universe, regardless of where you would go, whether you go to the furthest galaxy or to the closest thing to you, cannot deliver this fountain of living water, that joy, that joy that only Jesus can bring, that only Jesus can give it's, it, it, our lives are kind of like, kind of like a constant attendance at an amusement park, where we we wait in line for it to happen, and we wait in line, and we wait in line. We've seen the video on YouTube of this crazy, awesome new ride that they have, this great new roller coaster that they have. Everybody else has also seen the video on YouTube, so that they're all in the same line. And you wait there for five hours to get on this roller coaster. And finally you get on and the joy is there. And then, boom, 45 seconds later, it's over. (laughs) And you got to go get in another line. (laughs) That's what it's like to try to find delight and joy and satisfaction in the things of this world. Most of your life is spent waiting in line for something to happen. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. And I don't like that. I don't think we are made for that. I think we're made for something so much better and so much more and so much more lasting and so much more enduring than the things of this world could ever possibly deliver. And that reality is found only in Jesus Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this search for joy. He says the following. He says, If I find in myself desires for which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And that's true. We can search your whole life and find there's nothing in this world that can satisfy. We even sing a song as a church, Who can satisfy my soul like you? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer to that is no one. No one, nothing in this world can satisfy your soul like Jesus, like a relationship with God, like knowing God. And that's why when we come to the Christmas season, this particular hymn, this particular Christmas carol means so much to us. This song, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. It's because constantly we're on this search for something that can only be found in the Lord, in our God. And so what I want to do today is I want to walk through this second Christmas carol that we're utilizing to utilizing Christmas carols in order to organize our time here in this Advent season. And I want us to think today about how joy can only be found not in anything under the Christmas tree, not anything that you could buy that's still on a boat out in the Pacific Ocean, (laughs) but only in a gift that God has given, only in Jesus Christ. And so let me give you some background of this particular Christmas carol, Joy to the World, and tell you why in the world did I just read Psalm 98 a few minutes ago. Well, if the father of modern modern physics was Isaac Newton and the father of modern chemistry is John Dalton, then the father of English hymns is Isaac Watts. 
Isaac Watts has penned a massive collection of over 750 hymns, a massive number of hymns that we still sing in our churches today that are sung by Christians worldwide that are in our hymnals that are that are projected onto screens that sometimes are just sung out in the world. They're constantly sung in many areas, many churches in the world. Who is Isaac Watts? Isaac Watts was born in 1674, 1674 in Southampton, England. He was raised in a deeply religious family. His dad was a pastor. In fact, his dad was a, what is known as a nonconformist. So in that particular day, you had to be licensed in order to preach. You had to be licensed by the government in England in order to preach. And the only people who got licenses are those who belong to the Anglican Church, who belong to the Church of England. If you were Presbyterian or if you were Baptist and weren't belonging to the Church of England, you had an illegal church and you could be arrested. And in fact, Watts' father was arrested twice and did spend time in jail. Why? Because he believed that the government should never sanction a particular religion. He believed in the freedom of religion, the absolute freedom of our churches from government control to tell us what we should believe. That's the home that Watts grew up in. As a child, Isaac Watts showed this incredible propensity for music and for making rhymes. So often so that sometimes his poetry got him in trouble. Because sometimes he would sass back to his mom and dad in poetry. (laughs) At one time he'd sass to them in poetry and he was in the process of getting a spanking. And he turned to his dad and he said, Oh, father, father, pity taken. I will no more verses make. (laughs) I think the spanking continued. (laughs) The discipline continued on. No matter spankings could drive this love of poetry and music from this child's heart. Eventually, he went on to pastor a large independent church, and he was a master preacher. In fact, he taught preaching to other people in the area. He taught music in that particular area, and we continue to sing the songs that he wrote today, but not all of his work was well-received. In fact, much of the church in that particular day actually condemned Isaac Watts for being a heretic because we don't sing contemporary music in our churches. And so he was condemned because he wrote such songs such as, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. How dare anybody sing that? He wrote hymns such as, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? They thought, oh my goodness, how in the world would you ever sing such things, such novel things in the church? He was condemned because he wrote, I sing the mighty power of God, because he he wrote, Oh God, our help in ages past. He was condemned as being a modern praise and worship writer, bringing new things into the church. He would be the 16, 1700s version of Chris Tomlin, the Gettys, Matt Papa, or perhaps even Shane and Shane. That's who he was seen as in that day, this bringer of new things into 
the church. See, in that day, they typically didn't sing hymns. What they sang in that particular day was they would just sing psalms. They would sing straight out of the book of Psalms the exact words from the Psalms. And if you did not sing the exact words from the Psalms, then you were going off into things that should not be accepted. So they said in that day, in the church. And one of the things, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? <laughs> things that have happened, happen again. Things that are happening have already happened, right? And so there's much that we can learn from church history in terms of even this one that we think is just such a great author of hymnody for our day. This tradition, tradition was once new and tradition was once condemned as being, as being this new stuff that's trying to degrade our churches. <laughs> Interesting if you study church history. Watts's goal was to marry emotional subjectivity with doctrinal objectivity. He wanted us to feel deeply about truth. In fact, that was the problem of the Psalms of the day. They would just sing them. Oh, I don't care. I don't even care whatever I'm singing. I don't even remember what it is that I'm singing. Nobody seemed to care about the song. And Watson, this shouldn't be, we should sing doctrinal truth and also passion for Jesus. Because we love Jesus so much and we love his word so much and we love theology so much, we ought to sing new song to the Lord. And so we had this passion for bringing the church to sing a new song to the Lord. Isaac Watts, like John Calvin did for the people of his day, Watts also published a work in 1719 that was a translation or a rewriting of the Psalms for modern singers. So he walked through the Psalms and he picked out several song, Psalms, the book of Psalms, and he rewrote them in rhyme, rewrote them as hymns so that the modern church would have hymns to sing. And one of his writings, one of his hymn books was entitled, here's the whole title, The Psalms of David Imitated in the Language of the New Testament and Applied to the Christian State and Worship. Ha! Huh. <laughs> what a title. <laughs> right, shorten that up a little bit. So he took the Psalms, he wrote them to modern music of that time, and he gave it to the church. One of the Psalms that he wrote about was Psalms 98. He converted it into a song. And that particular song hymn that he wrote off of Psalm 98 was entitled, included in that collection of Psalms, was called Joy to the World. <laughs> and that's where it came from. Not only did it come from that particular psalm, but he didn't write it as a Christmas song at all. In fact, if you sing it, joy to the world, the Lord has come, you're singing it wrong. He doesn't say that. He says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. He's looking forward to the future. Joy to the world was actually not written as a Christmas song. It was actually written as a second coming song. It was written as a song that looks forward to the coming of Jesus in the future and the blessings that will come when Jesus returns, when Jesus comes and rules and reigns in this world, when Jesus' second coming happens. And that's the major point of Psalm 98. It's looking forward to the future reign of the King, the future reign of King Jesus. And what I want to do today is I want to think together about how does Jesus and the first coming of Jesus and then the second coming of Jesus, how does that give us joy in the now? 
We live between two comings. We live between the first coming of Jesus. We live before the second coming of Jesus. How do we, living between the times, fight for our joy in these challenging days? And how does Psalm 98 help us with that? Number one is this. Prepare room in your heart and life for more joy in Jesus. Prepare more room. Prepare room in your heart and your life for more joy in Jesus. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 98, verses 1 through 3, actually were what he based verse 1 off of, Isaac Watts based verse 1 of Joy to the World off of. He says, sing, to the, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him the victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's glory. We know that Watts, reading those three verses, penned the first verse of Joy to the World. Let's sing this verse together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Here in this verse and this this psalm, we see that it is the Lord who has done marvelous things for us. And when the Lord comes into our lives, when the, world, when the Lord steps onto the scene, He brings joy. Why? Your version might have said, because His right arm, His right hand and His holy arm has won Him salvation. Another way to translate from the Hebrew is, the Lord has won victory in your life, in that situation, in the world. When Jesus steps on the scene, we have a winner. We have a champion. We have the victorious warrior. We have our Christ who has defeated sin, who has defeated death, who has defeated the grave, and who is going to put all principalities and powers and darkness and everything evil in this world and everything that gives you anxiety in this life, all of the evil in this world, he is going to place all of those things under his feet. As Jesus rules and reigns and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about all that Jesus has done for you. You have much to rejoice in in your life because of the blessings of Jesus. Everybody do this right now. I want you to breathe really deeply. If you can do that, Without help, you're blessed. You're blessed. Because we know people in our own church that can't do that right now. I just got word yesterday afternoon my, my dad has COVID. He can't do that right now. And thankfully, he's not in the hospital. He looks like he's going to get better. But, and I appreciate your prayers for him. But if you can do that, that's a blessing. He sustains you. If your heart is beating, it's because the Lord is sustaining your life. 
Not only that, we're gathered here in the place. We're doing this openly. Anybody can come. We put out a sign. We're doing this on the internet. What a blessing to be able to do that because there's many people in parts of the world where they can't do this. We are really blessed because our victorious warrior king has won the victory for us. And if you want to know joy this Christmas, I want to encourage you to do exactly what Isaac Watts said in his hymn. Let every heart prepare him room. Jesus as an afterthought or an add-on accessory to your plan can never deliver authentic joy. That's the problem. We think if we just bring Jesus as an add-on or bring Jesus in as an accessory to our lives, not as the center of it all, not as the central reality of our lives, not as the central reality of our thoughts, not as the central reality of our aims and our loves and our affections, but just kind of as, eh, it's nice to be religious. Or he can do some things to help me get out of a jam every once in a while. We don't really live passionately for him. Then he truly is just an add-on accessory. Room for Jesus is not adding a side table to your living room. It's loading up everything and hauling it off to the dump in our lives and saying, look, it's Jesus, all free reign, all the things that aren't pleasing in your life, all the things that aren't yet yielded to you. I, I, I give it all to you and you come over and you take full reign over my life. More room for Jesus. How do you make more room for Jesus this Christmas season? Not forget the things that you learned during the pandemic, at least I think we did. And perhaps one of the things that we learned during the pandemic, it's okay to slow down. It's okay not to let your life be full from before sunup to after sun going down. Why? Why? Because it takes time to pray. It takes time to read the Bible. It takes time to love other people and spend real time with them. It takes time to have conversations. It takes time to reach our community. It takes time to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this community. It takes time to pray for missionaries. It takes time. It takes time to do missions and to be engaged with the gospel with your neighbor and with your family, with your friends. And if our lives are so crowded out with stuff, 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 all of the time... When is there opportunity for making more room for Jesus in our lives? Let me encourage you not just to let joy to the world be one of your favorite Christmas carols, but let it instruct you this Christmas season on how to find joy. Let your heart prepare Him room. Number two, not only should we prepare our hearts for more room for Jesus, but we should entrust our joy-killing Anxiety to Jesus as king over all of the earth. Entrust your joy-killing anxiety to Jesus as king over all of the earth. One of the things that I think anxiety is in our souls, anxiety should be a warning bell in our soul that the devil is about to come in and eat our joy. Because when we're consumed with anxiety, one of the things I know that's not true of our souls is we're not experiencing at those moments the fruit of the Spirit of joy in our lives. 
because we're consumed with worry. We're consumed with anxiety. And in its place, we are meant to have and find joy. Look at Psalm 98, verses 4 through 6. We have just the opposite of that. The victory of the king, the joy of the king. Let the whole world shout to the Lord. Be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord, our King. It's almost as if in those verses we have a picture of the great release of all of the anxiety when Jesus comes and Jesus finally comes to rule and reign in this world. One thing that Jesus will fully and finally cast out when he rules and reigns in his kingdom is the presence forever of worry and anxiety. Amen? (laughs) I long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because there's at least one person in this room that sometimes deals with worry. (laughs) Anybody with me? (laughs) It deals with anxiety. And it's several causes. How do we deal with it? I think first we view life's happenings in light of the sovereign goodness of God. Some of the causes of anxiety in the last year are the constant scrolling of news to find out what's going on in the world. What's happening? What's happening with the Omicron? Where did it come from? Where is it? How bad is it? The constant scrolling of what's I was going to do some political commentary. What are they doing in Washington? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> and none of us can figure it out. <laughs> Why? Are you temporarily insane? <laughs> Amen, brother. Makes you wonder. But the effect of You know, when I was really little, we didn't have 24-hour news. (laughs) You got the paper, and you read it, and that was it. (laughs) You moved on throughout your day. I mean, you didn't, you know, that was it. That's what you knew, and that was it. You moved on, and you just kept going. I think one of the effects of 24-hour always available news is, one, they call things news that aren't really news because they have to fill up 24 hours. (laughs) And I think the other thing is it causes within our soul, watch this, this constant anxiety. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's happening. I wonder what they're saying. And Twitter and social media has just piled on top of that. I wonder who tweeted what. I wonder what they're saying about what. I wonder what's happening. I wonder what they're saying. I thought this in my own soul in the last week. I wonder if they found a coach. <laughs> and so there's this constant, oh man, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's happening. And this this level, you can just feel it within your soul. It's like this anxiety meter kind of starts here and it just goes up and you just kind of feel it into your soul and this tenseness, your muscles, you can feel it in your muscles. Your muscles just get tense when you're trying to figure out what's happening in the world. I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of another song that's not a, not a Christmas song at all. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Oh, <laughs> that's freeing. So one cause of anxiety could be world events 
and we view life's happenings in light of the sovereign goodness of God's. Another cause of anxiety is not global events, it's the events that will never make the news. It's events in your family. It's events in your life. It's events in your health. It's events in your own circles. And as you are consumed with worry about what is going on in the next generation, what's going on in my family, what's going on in my job, what's going on in my home, what's going on on these things, Christmas comes to help us to remember once again, He's got your whole family in His hands. 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 He's got my dad. He's got my aunt. He's got my all of the things going on back home. He's got it all in his hands. And we can trust in him. Joy to the world because the Savior reigns. It's his, he's ruling and reigning. He's going to figure it out. We don't know how the, we know how the story ends. We know what, don't know exactly the plot to get there. But we know where it's going. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get there. View all of life's happenings in light of the sovereign goodness of God. Second, ask God to transform your anxieties into a joy-filled burden for people far from Jesus. And so as Jesus relieves us and, and as we cast our burdens upon him, we pray as in this psalm it says, let the whole world shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. You know, there should be a longing in our soul that there are people in the world that don't know Jesus, and they're not shouting for joy for Jesus. They might exist next door to you. They might exist, and they might be in the lab next to you at your work. They might be next to you in geometry class, or they may be in Mozambique, or they may be in Turkey. Or they may be in Azerbaijan. But our, as believers, our burden should not be completely lifted in this life. We should be burdened for the lost. It's not an anxiety, but it's a holy burden that drives us to intense prayer. As we seek God on behalf of people who do not yet know Him as Savior and Lord. John Piper once said it this way, missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason why we do missions is because people are worthy, or Jesus is worthy of the worship of all nations, and they need to know the joy of the Lord. Joy to the world. Finally, number three, how do you fight for joy this Christmas season? Experience joy by battling sin with truth and grace. In Psalm 98, verses 7 through 9, it says this, Let the sea and all that is in it, uh, and all that fills it, the world and all who live in it, resounds, everything. Let the rivers clap their hands, the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. Once again, Isaac Watts, inspired by these words, penned the following. Let's sing this together. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. One more. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness 
and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. What in the world is that talking about? Thorns infesting the ground? Where does gardening come into play here in Christmas? Well, Genesis chapter 3, 17 and 18 says this, And to Adam he said, Cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the fields. It's part of the curse is sin in this world. It's part of the curse is the effect of sin in this world. It's the thorns and thistles. I burned like 15 of them yesterday in my fire pit. <laughs> tumbleweeds and then James Hughes runs by and throws one more in the yard right? <laughs> thanks brother <laughs> I burned that one too no I didn't I just threw that one away I was done burning <laughs> but Jesus is going to set us free from the curse and even a greater curse and even beyond just thorns and thistles first John 3.8 says this whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in our God. And one of the works of the devil is sin. We battle sin with the power of Jesus because he is overcome with truth and grace. John 1.17 says it like this. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so one of the joys of Christmas is that we are not hopeless in our battle against sin. In your war against sin, there is hope. And one of the joys of Christmas is for you to realize there is tremendous hope in your war against sin. You will win. And there's some days when it feels like, I don't think I'm ever going to win. But the joy of Christmas is it helps us open our eyes to help us to realize, yes, victory is coming. Yes, I will one day win. Yes, I'll be set free from whatever it is, that sin that so easily entangles you. One day, it will finally be gone. And so this Christmas, how do you prepare room in your heart for Jesus? Cast your joy-killing anxiety on Him. Find joy in battling sin with the truth and grace, the tools that Jesus has given us. And know you can find real joy. Let's spend a moment in silence and reflection on what the Lord has shown us today. And here in a moment, if you think the Lord is leading you to trust in Him as Savior, and Lord, I invite you to come. Or if you just need prayer, why don't you come? But why don't we reflect on what the Lord has said to us? And then let's respond in song together. <laughs>